0: Uh, so this goes on the podcast, and I'm sorry for those that didn't hear the verse, the passage read. Just a quick synopsis for the podcast and for the benefit of all of us. Jesus comes from Samaria, which is a, a foreign territory, and he returns home to his hometown in Galilee, and he utters these words. He says, a prophet has no honor. A prophet is without honor in his hometown. And from there launches this second sign of Jesus where Uh, I guess this is a royal official, is that correct? Yes, a royal official uh, comes to Jesus whose son is sick. And the royal official begs him to heal his son. The son is at a point of death. And Jesus, um, he says this enigmatic statement, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. But nonetheless, the father's persistent and nonetheless the son is healed. And it turns out to be at the exact hour where Jesus sent him on his way. This is a second sign that Jesus performed. So what we have here is an indication, this is a second sign, so this kind of thing that you've got a bunch of signs. There's, I think John, is, the author, is giving us this, this clue. The thing about this passage um, is that when you, sometimes when you read the Bible, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, you read the Bible and you, 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 you felt like you've read one chapter, but you have no idea what went on, either because you're sleepy or 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 because you weren't paying attention, or sometimes it's just hard to read. The, the connections seem a little difficult. There's a little disjointedness. Um, you're not sure what the author's trying to say. And there's some of that here. You know, Jesus says, A prophet is without honor, and yet it says his hometown receives him, like almost like a homecoming king. And then you have this whole thing where uh, the, the, the uh, royal official says, Can you heal my son? Instead, Jesus says, you people need signs and wonders unless you get signs. So it's hard to see the connections. It's a little disjointed. But, but, after a lot of observation, I think there is a golden thread that goes through this passage. In fact, I think it goes through the entire Gospel of John that helps us to understand, that helps us to understand what this is talking about. I think that golden thread is the theme of sight, the theme of sight. And so along that theme, I'm going to talk about three things. So if you look in your bulletin on the white three-hole-punch notes, three things. First, seeing does not mean believing. Seeing does not mean believing. Secondly, seeing can be blinding. Third, not seeing is liberating. So those are our three headings for this morning. And before I launch into the first one, I just want to say that we've been having our woven group, our small groups, beginning to gather. I know um, Janie, you had a group on Friday. Hopefully that went well. Um, my group has started meeting. Paul's group, you had a meeting last night as well. I heard that went well. Andrew is going to start Andrew where's Andrew? Andrew's going to start a group in closer where? Oh, it's already started. Um, so for um, young singles, um, Andrew's group is the place to be. And we're all studying signs. We're studying the signs of Jesus. Why are we studying the signs? Maybe it's because as we start studying it, and let's say somebody comes in and says, I want to see a sign from God. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure if I'm even religious. But we're looking for some signs. And in looking for a sign, our hope is through these small groups, a sign will come. The thing is, we want to talk about the quality of the sign what does it mean to see a sign now i'll just ask this vaguely how many of you have seen you feel like you've ever seen a, in your life you've seen a sign from god please don't be shy just raise your hand you've, you've seen a sign that can that doesn't necessarily mean you saw like the clouds part and you saw a man with a white beard like anything coincidences That is what we want to talk about today. What does it mean to see a sign and is seeing believing? So let's start with that first heading. Seeing does not mean believing. Seeing does not mean believing. Look at verse 43. After the two days Jesus went from Samaria, he left there and he went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And so when Jesus came to Galilee, this is where it gets a little disjointed. The Galileans received him. Yay! Bring out the parade. Having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. Now, if I could spell this out in formal logic, if you look in your white notes, this is what Jesus is saying. A prophet plus his hometown does not equal honor. A prophet does not receive honor in his hometown. Prophet plus honor does not equal hometown. It's just basic math. I get this. I get this. If I went back to my hometown in New York and (laughs) the people people who knew me since middle school um, to this day, I I don't know if they'd fully be able to take me seriously because I was such a goofball back in the day. There's a sense where familiarity breeds contempt. You know, oh, now you're like, you're like oh, I'm, I'm, you're the minister. You're, you're, the, you're the respectable man, but I know what you were like back in the day. So a prophet plus the hometown does not equal honor. Now, if we can spell this out, who is the prophet? Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus is the prophet and more. So it should stand... If a prophet plus the hometown is not equal honor, it should also stand that Jesus plus Galilee, Galilee, there's no question about it, is his hometown. He was born in one place, but Galilee is where he grew up. It should also stand then that Jesus plus Galilee should not equal honor. And yet we see this thing where it says they received him having seen the things that he did. So what does that mean? Does that mean they received him with pomp and circumstance? Or does that mean that they received him Um, that's the question. What does it mean? If Jesus was born and raised in Houston and we knew him as that kid that was running around behind this, you know, like my son was running around back there behind the screen, getting in trouble. Like I was talking about last Sunday, you know, the kid that used to hang out on the stoop eating potato chips and reading comic books and skipping out on service and now he claims to be a prophet and more. So the question is, what does it mean that they received him? They received him back home. Does it mean they honored him? Does it mean they believed? I think that's where the golden thread comes out, the word seen. So they received him having seen everything that he did. Oh, they saw, all right. They saw, but that does not mean they believed they saw but that does not mean that they had faith in jesus and i think he knew this he knew that you saw what i did you saw the miracles performed in jerusalem but despite the fact that you saw with your eyes i know your hearts is what jesus is saying i know what's really going on even later on in verse 48 Verse 48, he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And this theme goes all the way to the end of the Gospel of John in 20, where Jesus has this conversation with Thomas. And Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And Jesus has to appear in front of Thomas. And he sticks his finger in Jesus' side and he says, oh my God, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you saw. Blessed, this is the, the important message of, of John, blessed, are those who did not see and believed it's a very important theme i think through the gospel of john because i think john anticipates that there's going to be many people who are not eyewitnesses who are not there at the moment who are going to be reading this story two thousand years later and are going to hear the message and still believe and it's like john jesus is saying blessed are all those people that are going to hear this Not having seen, but still having believed. Seeing does not always mean believing. And sometimes true belief does not mean having visual proof. Now, there might be an objection at this point. One of you or somebody can hypothetically say, that pastor to me sounds like blind faith. And I don't do well with that. Blind faith, um, just, it, sounds, it, sounds, it sounds like we're naive. It, sounds like, it just sounds like selling into something you know, and you're telling us to believe in something on the basis of no evidence. And I just can't in this modern age accept that idea of blind faith. Why should I believe without evidence? Why should I believe, for that matter, without empirical evidence? My answer to that my answer to that is, even with empirical evidence, even with the sign of God, you still won't believe. I won't believe. We, don't, we're not, we won't believe. I'll say that again. Even with a sign from God, that doesn't always mean we will believe. That's why when Jesus says, you saw what I did in Jerusalem, but you don't really receive me, that's what Jesus is saying. And in that sense, what he's saying is, I've spoken, I've called out, I've given signs. The reality is, we're just, we're built, we're built with this, with this skepticism. All of us, even, my, even all of us Christians, God can say with a million signs all throughout the day, this is the right way to go. This is the wrong way to go. This is good for you. This is not good for you. Don't do that. Do this. Believe in me. And I think the fact of the matter is we could ignore every one of them. We could ignore every single one of them. So again, seeing does not mean believing. Seeing does not mean believing. Because all of us experience signs in one sense or another. But that does not mean that we've obeyed. That does not mean that we've believed. That does not mean that we've made the right choices with our lives. I remember, for me, um, just to share a little bit of my story. Um, I I I felt at one point that God was telling me to leave home, um, and. I had some pretty strong signs. I'm not going to tell them now, but if there ever was a sign from God. And I received those signs, and yet it was still about two years, two years before I finally worked up the courage to move out of my parents' house. It took me two years to move out of my parents' house in this dependency state. Uh, And... And the signs that God gave me, um, instead of moving on them quickly, mind you, at that point, it had had already gone too far. And I let it go even further. Isn't that just like us? Signs from God, and yet, we're still stagnant. The second heading is, seeing can be blinding. Seeing can be blinding. So if we look at verse 47, The royal official heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee. He went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so here you have a prominent man that hears about this miracle worker. His son is dying and he comes and says, maybe this guy can do something. I need a sign, God. Can you give me a sign? I need a sign right now. The irony is I found in my life, maybe it's true for you as well, that we, whenever we look for a sign, we don't always get it. When we look for a sign from God, it doesn't come. But then when you stop looking, what happens? It comes. When we stop looking for that sign, it happens. Um, It's just the irony. So here's a man who comes down and he's looking for a sign. He's saying, maybe you can heal my son. You know, speaking of signs and miracles, I can never get tired of telling this story about how this church started. And I'll tell this story, um, I feel like I've told it so many times, it's one of our little signs for our church when we started. Um, You know, we started on July 20th, which will be remembered as the birthday of our church. Come this summer, July 20th, we'll have a cake, we'll do all that. But the actual July 20th, 2014 was a very somber day. I remember, I remember you crying. Some of you guys were crying, weeping. Why? Because one of our very own delivered a child that was essentially stillborn. And that week when we got, when I got word and I arrived at the hospital to see Kathy and Andy's baby, to see baby Luke resuscitated but on machines and swollen and I remember seeing him, you know, there's one thing to be still, another thing to be deathly still. And seeing this, 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 this newborn about this big, grotesquely um, filled, you know, swollen with fluids, and seeing this, and in my heart, of hearts, saying, there's no way. And that Saturday, Kathy, I'd never seen her cry like that. And she was saying, you know, Wayne, she, she's my relative. She says, uh, What do we do in this situation? Do you do last rites or something? She couldn't even say that. She just broke down weeping. Sunday morning, who wants to start a new church with a stillborn child? It's symbolically heavy. But then, that evening, that Sunday afternoon and evening, going to the hospital, Seeing the child and then hearing the report from the doctors that the child was rallying, that this child was coming back. Finding out Monday morning that life support was no longer a question. It was no longer a question of pulling the plug. Baby Luke was going to make it. But, in the back of my mind, still doubts he's going to have, according to what they're saying, brain death. turns out by Wednesday they ran the tests and the results were 0% brain damage. And over the course of a week or two, seeing this small, swollen, unmoving thing begin to come to life, the swelling disappearing, and seeing a normal child, and having the doctors call it a miracle. Even Andy and Kathy themselves pediatrician, radiologist, both of them saying God is greater than science. Uh, I'll, ge- I'll update you guys. We're not out of the woods just yet. You see Luke, he's very healthy. He's very strong. He has a genetic condition called diamond black fan anemia. And uh, that does involve um, bone marrow transplants. It does involve some, um, some risky procedures going forth to ensure ongoing quality of life. But if they're able to, if they, make, if, if, they, if, they, if they make the right choice, he could have a very full and healthy life. So we're still cheering him on. He looks very healthy. Um, but just setting the stage for the miracle. It's a story that we tell. I never get tired of telling that story. I tell it to my friends and to people that are not Christians and they're moved. They ha- you see tears in their eyes. And so we started this church, in a sense, what feels like a resurrection. But just to put things into perspective, let's say that Sunday, let's say that Sunday, I wish Kathy and Andy were here, it's probably the weather. Let's say Kathy and Andy, you came to Jesus that Sunday morning, July 20th, and you said, please, pray for my baby Luke. Pray that he might be healed Because he's on the edge of death. And Jesus looked you in the eye and he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you simply won't believe. (laughs) Whoa. That's not nice. The funny thing about Jesus is he's not furry. He's not Gampy, he's not grandpa. Lots of times, a true encounter with Jesus, and that's, I hope, what we can drive at when we do our, when we do our studies through the signs of Jesus, is we'll encounter who Jesus really is, that his, 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 his interactions with us are not always giving you exactly what you want at the moment. Sometimes his interactions are jarring, are offsetting, and there's something in there Three things that I'd like to point out, three fill-in-the-blanks about Jesus' response. You simply will How could you say that? How could you say that to our beloved Kathy and Andy? The first thing is this, it's not personal. What Jesus says to this royal official, to this father, it's not personal. We know this is not personal. Some of your translations will say this. He doesn't say you. He says you people. So in those cases, when he, said, both when he says, unless you see signs, you won't believe, both of those, it gets a little lost in translation. Um, they're plural words, you. You can effectively and correctly translate this. Unless y'all see signs and wonders, y'all simply won't believe. So he's not just picking on the dad. He's talking about y'all. Who is y'all? Anybody know? I heard somebody say it, the Galileans. Yes, he's talking to his hometown. He's talking to his hometown crowd. He's saying, look, and he's using it as an object lesson. Look, it's not personal, Dad, but honestly, everybody here wants a sign. And the thing is, when you chase the sign, you're not always going to get it because we're building our faith on the wrong thing. And so he says this to his hometown. He says unless you get a sign, unless you get a sign all of y'all Galilee the hometown you're just not going to believe. And that leads to the second the second fill in the blank. It it's not personal secondly, but it is. And this is the word polemical. And what that word polemical means is it is it does have it does have a I guess uh it does have a bite to it. That's Jesus. Um, gosh, can, can you just give me a straight answer? Yes or no? You've always got to teach something, or it's always got to have some kind of some kind of challenge built into the words. There is a challenge. It's polemical in that, uh, again, polemical meaning, it's got a little bit of a bite to it. He's, he's kind of nipping the Galileans and the You can hear it when he says, unless you see signs and wonders, signs and wonders, ooh, that right there sounds like unless you see ooh and ah, you're not going to believe. When we were starting Woven, I was asking myself the question, what is this church going to look like? Should we put on a big really big light show? Should we spend eighty thousand dollars and get this huge so when you arrive we've got this, you know, you know, I can I'll put on, you know, my bono sunglasses and I'll kind of run around the the ring around there and we'll put on this big light show and you know is this gonna be a big show where we can draw the masses in that are entertained or is this going to be about a more intimate conversation hope, you know, as it grows, the church grows. Is this going to dazzle people or is it going to change people? I was asking that question in the beginning. Is this church going to dazzle and entertain or is it going to disciple and grow? Sometimes you need a little bit of both, honestly. But I think the more important thing is discipleship. I'm beginning to see especially now with, with a great push, and I'm grateful for Janie and her leadership of the Woven Groups. I think we're going to be a church of discipleship. Now, you know, we've got two lights, three, four. We can do a little bit of that. It's okay. But I think what Jesus is saying is, I think he's speaking to this kind of consumerist need, like here we are now. Entertain us. He's speaking to this thing, especially to his hometown, that you're looking for You're looking for a rock show, um, but he's also saying, but you're missing out on the discipleship. I like the way, if you've ever heard of the message, the message translation, um, I like the way the message says it. Unless you people are dazzled by a miracle, you refuse to believe. Unless you people are dazzled by a show, I have a, I have a couple of friends that know I'm in ministry and they've told me that you know they have they've, they've visited this one prominent church which I will not I will not name. It's an easy church to attend because it's very entertaining and it's 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 um it's 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 uh the music is great and the, the, the it's very entertaining. But at the same time I also recognize as I speak a longing for depth, a longing for more, a longing to go deeper. So here's the thing. If, if our seeing is dazzling, it can be blinding. If we're seeing and Jesus says, you want a miracle, I'll give you a miracle. Right? He shows his true nature. It's blinding if you were to perform and and do these great heavenly things, call down from heaven fire, it becomes blinding to see. I think faith is not blinding. It's not self-blinding. I think faith is not that shallow. Um, Tell a story about a man who came to faith This man lived in Russia, and he was so anti-faith, so anti-church. He was so anti-religion, in fact, and he wrote against the church. He wrote against, he was a Russian guy. He wrote against religion. He wrote against the state, and that got him into a little bit of trouble. The authorities took notice of his writings, and they rounded him up, they sent him to jail and they put him on death row. This is 1800s Russia. And they said to this guy, you have not longed for the earth. And so they lined him up in front of the firing squad, or they, they stood him up in front of the firing squad. And, uh, and he had a moment of reckoning. He knew he was about to die. <laughs> it reminds me of the old Nickelodeon, you know, skit. Was he ready, aim, wait, 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 wait. Right? Well, that's exactly what happened they lined him up and they said ready aim and at the last minute wait 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 and they released him literally looking down the barrels of death and getting a second chance at life this guy was dostoevsky if you've ever heard of the russian author dostoevsky after that he was on a train bound for siberia they said instead of executing him it's a cruel prank, really. They decided to send him to do, serve out the rest of his sentence in Siberia. And on that train, humbled, sitting there, new perspective on life, he was sitting in, his tra- in the train, and this lady comes by and gives him a New Testament. And he begins to read it, this agnostic, this atheist. And as he begins to read the New Testament, he did not get any signs. He did not get any dazzling light show. He did not get any convincing argument from a pastor in a blue plaid shirt. What he got instead was this slow and gradual interaction with the Gospel of John, just like we're doing in our woven groups. And as Dostoevsky began to wrestle with what this meant, faith began to grow not because he was dazzled, not because he was entertained, but because in a deep sense he was being discipled as he read the scriptures. Whenever I struggle with doubt, I read the words of Dostoevsky. And I'd like to read those words to you today. I believe in Christ and I confess him not like some child. My hosanna has passed through an enormous furnace of doubt. This is not shallow faith. This is not here we are now, entertain us. And he once wrote in a letter, I want to say to you about myself that I am a child of this age. I'm a child of unfaith and skepticism. He lived in the modern age. He lived in the 1800s. And probably, indeed, I know it. I'll remain like this to the end of my life. A child of doubt faith and skepticism how dreadful has it tormented me and it still torments me even now this longing that I have for faith for some reason I'm still hungry I want faith and even the more proofs I have against faith the longing grows stronger I I, I, I don't do any of you relate to this I relate to it the more doubts the more unconvincing things about religion the more somehow I long for Jesus and yet he says god gives me sometimes these moments of perfect peace in such moments i love and believe that i am loved in such moments he can wade he wades through all of the arguments against god all of the arguments against christianity all of the arguments that say how can you believe in jesus he wades through those things and in this moment and in those moments he says all is clear and holy to me The creed is extremely simple. Here it is. I believe that there is nothing lovelier, nothing deeper, nothing more sympathetic, more rational, more manly, and more perfect than the Savior. I say to myself with jealous love that not only is there no one else like him, but that there could be no one. I would even say more. If anyone could prove to me that Christ is outside the truth, And if the truth really did exclude Christ, then I should prefer to stay with Christ and not with the truth. And one last thing about him. He was described as pious, but he didn't go to church that often. That you don't have to copy. He disliked priests, especially the Siberian ones. But he spoke about Christ ecstatically. The reason I'm reading this to you is to show you a picture of a faith that is not easily dazzled. A faith. This is, not, this is not a Galilean is what I'm saying. This is not a Galilean. This is somebody who is deeply wrestled. He did not get, I mean, in a sense, he did get a sign. But his faith It was not the product. It was not the product of of just seeing is believing. Because there's a lot more than that. I wish I could share that with all of my atheist friends, if we could just gather them all in here, and I could just say, you know, seeing does not necessarily mean believing. Even though we see. Even though we see a million times, that does not mean we'll believe. You can get all the evidences that God exists. Still doesn't mean I will believe. Why? Because I know myself, even myself. Card-carrying Christian member, sometimes functioning agnostic, sometimes living like an atheist. So, what is Jesus saying here? First, it's not personal. Second, it's a little polemical. Third, it's pedagogical, which means, of course, he's teaching something. Jesus is speaking and he's saying this cold thing to this father. Why? Because there's a point to what he's saying. He's teaching something. It's pedagogical. And I think the point is this, and this is the third and last heading. Not seeing is liberating. Not seeing is liberating. And we'll wrap up with this. In verse 48, when he says, "...unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe." Maybe Kathy and Andy would say, yes, I know. Okay, whatever. But please, heal my son. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Make my faith real then. In the words of another father in Mark chapter 9. Okay, fine. Say what you want, but but heal my son and help me to believe. Help me to believe. And Jesus' response is, Go. Your son lives. Think about the significance of those words. Your son lives. And then, here's the punchline. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke and started off. The man believed and he went. The funny thing is we're talking about the seven signs of Jesus. So far, the first two signs he did nothing. He didn't, he didn't say hocus pocus. He didn't have a ritual. He did nothing. The first sign, Jesus said, get the water. They got the water. It's wine. The second sign, he didn't wave his arms. He didn't have a wand. He did nothing. He just said, go. And he went. It's a different kind of faith here. It's not based on signs. In fact, what's significant about this is it says the man believed without seeing he believed he didn't see he didn't get he didn't get this visual assurance he believed without seeing and essentially what he believed in it says was the word he believed the word that jesus spoke what was the word that jesus spoke go your son is alive again We look for signs, lots of times we don't get them. We're not looking for signs, they come. And it's liberating, it's liberating because it never was up to us anyway. The signs, they'll come, they won't. The question is will you believe today? You get an answer to your prayer, you didn't get an answer to your prayer. My kids were talking. They said, I prayed that my nose would stop bleeding in the shower. Or I, play, I prayed that my, my mom would buy me a beanie baby. And God answered the prayer. I'm thinking, do I have this deep philosophical discussion with my child or do I just say, yeah, okay. I decided, yeah, yeah, God answered your prayers. But what do we do when he doesn't answer our prayers? Well, the question is, will you believe Regardless. And that's why, two verses in closing, John 20. Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed? Blessed are they who did not see but still believed. And later on, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, not admonishes, he encourages the church. He says, though you have not seen him. Listen to these words. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You haven't seen anything, and yet you're believing, and it's changing, it's changing your life. If you could close your eyes with me. Try to visualize the last thing that you think was a sign from God. Or maybe it was a coincidence and you're like, whoa, that was eerie. Or maybe it was something from heaven that just seemed too good to be true. I'd like for you to just visualize that at this moment and just think about it. Now I'd like to invite you to a prayer of response. And if you feel led, you can you can pray after me, repeat after me in your hearts. God Thank you for your sign to me. But please help me now to believe without seeing. Show me what steps I need to take this week to activate a true faith. Give me a faith that is real that is strong and that will get me through all the trials of life keep me serene keep me sane keep me safe I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name.